Okay, listen, ladies and gentlemen, hello, it's me. It's Jake Johansson. It's episode 91. Hello. Ah, that's how I, oh, I, had, I forgot how to start. Hey, uh, congratulations. You did it. We both did. We both did. I'm, I'm pretty happy about this week's episode, but I don't want to talk about that just yet. I want to talk about some things that have already happened and they're about to happen. Well, and, and they have that in common with this week's episode. So I, where was I? I was in Peoria. I don't know if you all knew that, but I tweeted it. I emailed it. And I Facebooked it. And it's also on my website, jakethis.com. I had a great time at Peoria. Thank you, Peorians who came out and others. And please, if you didn't make it to that show, come to Phoenix, April 11th through 13th. I'm going to be at Stand Up Live in Phoenix, Arizona, April 17th to 19th. I'll be in San Francisco at the Punchline. That is a good place. May 8th through 10th, I'm going to be at Comedy Works in uh, Denverish at the landmark that's uh, not Comedy Works South but it's uh, Denverish May 8th to 10th Comedy Works and then I'm going to Ireland May 29th to June 2nd I think I'm even going somewhere in between there that I have to put on my website but I haven't done it yet because I'm behind I'm behind I'm busy I'm busy you're busy look we're all busy people we don't have time for a lot of this nonsense so Let's get on with this week's episode, but please come and see me at a show, or if you did see me, thank you for seeing me, and I hope I'll see you again, because it's nice when we can look at each other in that way, in that special way that we do. So, what about it? This week, my guest is Brett Erickson, the house uh, MC, or he has been the house MC, the house host. I mean... He is a great comic, and, you know, this. everybody wants to say they're a headliner, but he is a headliner, and he took time off of his national tour, touring for years while he stayed in Peoria to be the host there at that club so he could spend time with his kids, which they're about to go to college, and he's about to move to California. But he was there while I was there, and he's the guest on this week's show. And so I'm going to talk to Brett. But before I talk to Brett, here's another thing that happened to me last week that could happen to you now because it exists forever on the Internet is Aisha Tyler's podcast, um, Girl on Guy. And it's episode 133 is the one that I'm in. So you go to your podcast machine and you type in Girl on Guy, and then you can download that episode of her show, episode 133, where I was on Aisha Tyler's show. It was great. I met her, well, I had met her years ago, but I got reconnected with her at the L.A. Pod Fest last year. And then she was nice enough to invite me on her show. And then I did it. I was nice enough to go on because we're nice people. Show business is full of nice people. There's a few assholes, I'll be honest with you. But... Uh, there's a lot of nice people. So it was great to be on her show. And uh, then when I was on her show, I said, hey, will you do a thing that I can put on my show when you have me on your show and I can cross promote it? And I thought that she might give me a little heads up so that last week I could have put this on my show. So it came out when her show came out. But that didn't happen. So uh, now, right now, at this moment in time where we are, wherever you are, I know where I am, but it's in the past from your perspective. Uh, I am about to play the little conversation that I had with Aisha. I had a couple ideas for things to do, for her to do, that would just take a, a couple of seconds. So I said, uh, hey, maybe you could give... It, it's award season, or it was award season when I was on her show. It was around the award season. It was Academy Award time. And uh, I said, I'm always curious about people's acceptance speeches, how they don't have them prepared. And, you know, and I would like to hear the people who don't win acceptance speeches, because maybe they're better than the people who did. And so I said, would, could you maybe give me an acceptance speech for an award 
could, you know, just kind of make one up spontaneously. And, and she was nice enough to play along with that. She kind of liked the idea, I think. Although she's such a pleasant person that she might have just been playing along. And who knows? Who knows? Who knows if anyone ever <laughs> likes any of us? But I just assume we all like each other. And uh, she was very nice. And she did this speech. So I'm going to play that for you now and then come back. And then there'll be more of the thing that I told you was going to happen on this episode. Do you follow me? Here we go. And then if it's the acceptance speech, is it for anything specific or is it just my acceptance speech in general? Whatever you'd like. What would you most like to win? Oh, God. Like, I stopped watching the Oscars a little bit yeah. because after a while, it was, first of all, it was people thanking their lawyers. Right, right, It's right, like, right. I don't need to watch someone thank their lawyer or their agent. I mean, right. that's really, that's who you want to thank? Mm -hmm. And then... Second of all, I kind of felt like, look, I'll watch the movie. But for for a few years, it was I was watching people win awards for parts in movies that I auditioned for parts in those movies, and I didn't get <laughs> yeah, the movie. Yeah, and totally. it's like for a while, I felt like, look, I, I don't I really. This is hurdy. I don't want to watch this. So, what award would you be super? I mean, come on, Academy Award, right? right You'd right. love to win. Would you love to win of an course, Academy Award? Who wouldn't love to win an Academy Award? Uh, okay, I'll give an Academy Awards acceptance. Or Grammy. Or a Grammy. You, you want to win a Grammy? I'm going to win a Grammy. This. I'm not, I can't even contemplate that eventuality. Uh, but I will do I will do my, my Academy Award acceptance speech. Um, well, I, I, I don't have a, a speech written because I didn't expect to be up here uh, because I'm black. And uh, it just, uh, even though it's happened in the past, not that frequently... Uh, and I'm not going to look like Halle Berry. I look uh, a little bit more like RuPaul. So I'm happy to be up here. I'm shocked to be up here, um, especially because I was nominated as Best Director. And uh, I don't think a black person has ever been nominated for Best Director, let alone a black woman. So uh, I'm, I'm incredibly grateful to everybody who's helped me uh, over the years. But I'm more grateful to all the people that uh, kicked me in my delicate yet feminine lady balls because you made me so furious that I wanted to show you all. And so now I'm up here. And even though I'm wearing a dress, I'm going to grab my non-existent ball sack and ask you all in the nicest and most loving way possible to suck it. Thank you very much. Good night. Suck my balls. Yeah, suck my balls. <laughs> That's yeah. a great... It's nice. In a yeah, nice it way, is, though, It's like a great kind, sentiment. Like a sweet... And then also, I love my husband, right? Right. You kind of do oh, that. Oh, God. I'm running back out to say that I forgot to thank my husband. That's He's a lovely person, and he knows I actually don't have balls, but he, he knew what I was talking... He knew I was speaking metaphorically. I, I meant what I said, even though it was a metaphor. But I do love my husband. Thank you. you you're the best man, of, and, and thank you so much for putting up for my with all my stuff and for making me eggs. Talk a little bit about your movie. I don't want to talk about my movie. If you haven't seen it, you don't deserve my affection. <laughs> I like it. Tough love. <laughs> tough love. You're all about the tough love. I am. Well, congratulations. Thanks for being on my podcast. <laughs> maybe a pleasure. Maybe you'll come over for a longer conversation. Yeah, for, for a full days. conversation. One okay. Of then we can discuss my film and the complexities. Yeah, of, yeah. This, well, we can yeah. get it made. Yeah. This can be yeah. like a time travel episode. <laughs> we'll go back and play this back after I won. And you'll be like, if you don't give this speech when you win, <laughs> that, that is bullshit. I know. You just be there, like flip the tape. This is bullshit. Like at the Globes, tip your table over. That was awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yay. Well, I think we can learn a lot from that speech. And really, really, the, my takeaway lesson is uh, don't let anyone else tell you who you are or what you can or can't do. And if they try, 
tell them to suck your ball sack, whether it exists or not. Thank you, Aisha. Thank you for the help. I feel like, you know, this isn't this show is not about life coaching or self-help, but uh, that was very self-help helping for me in my life. And I don't normally re- respond well to uh, coaching. I'm not a sport sporty sports person. I guess that's the thing. I'm physically fit. <laughs> Do not try it, audience, if that's what you're thinking. I'm physically fit. I don't know a lot about fighting, but I'm a biter. I think I've said that before on the podcast. Uh, so don't try it. Please don't try it. Uh, thank you again for listening. I, that's my default thing that I keep doing is saying thank you. I'm going to try and uh, take it easy on the gratitude for a second. But I do, you know, I'd like to thank Brett Erickson for being on the podcast. And I'd like to get started with listening to him talk to me for a minute so that I can stop talking right now and start being thankful for a glass of water that I'm about to go and get. Okay, good. You know how mics work. Yeah, I do. So you were just telling me, we were talking, you saw my wife contributes to the National Resource Defense Council, and I really should say that we do. Because uh, it's our you pooled, are one. It's our pooled resources sure. that are contributing to the National Resource Defense Council. And so they send you this magazine, and there's an article on there about pigs, pig farms. And you were telling me that they take the pig shit? They take the pig shit. Uh, I think this is, was in North Carolina where I saw that this was happening. They take the pig shit, and they just spray it into the air. And it's like a fine mist of like, uh, and then it just floats, uh, you know, if it'll float two, three counties, uh, you know, away. Oh my God. And, uh, it's pretty nasty. Yeah. They're not doing like they used to and just spreading it on the fields. Yeah. Well, that's what they used to do is spread it on the fields, but they, they spray it up in the air so that then the moisture idea, the idea is the moisture is going to evaporate. I think it's... you know, it, it's been a while since I since I saw. I think it was a, a documentary or, or I, you know, I can't even remember what medium it was. Whether it was an article I read or something, but it was almost like they just said, if we make it into a fine enough mist, no one will be able to see it. Like it's almost like, well, then that's fine, you know, because it's so small, and you know, it's not like a big lake of of pig shit anymore. Because it's just a, like a mist. No, it's and not. It's, it's microparticles right. floating and in the so air. Right, and so that's fine. It you know, it sounds good, kind of, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, that's how they say when you put on your perfume or your cologne, you're not supposed to spray it on your skin. You're supposed to spray it in the air and then walk through it. Right. You know, so then we're all walking through this little mist of pig crap. If you're in North Carolina, fortunately, we're in God's country right now. Yeah, Peoria. Peoria. Peoria, Illinois. (laughs) Holy cow. Yeah, Peoria's got its own little uh, uh, stench uh, that you can walk through. It's just like a dream-crushing sort of hopelessness. Do you really think so? Um, kind of. (laughs) You moved back here from... from Where where did you live? I... Well, here's what happened. Um, I met a girl in college who was from Peoria. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, we got married, and then we started shooting out some kids, and uh, I live in Peoria. That's it, right there. But you're not, but you're, but you were a comedian. And yeah. You were, well, you are a comedian. I am a comedian. You are a comedian. I, I apologize for that, because <laughs> I know you from working, I didn't remember the first time we had met on we, the road someplace. We worked together the first time in Atlanta, 
at uh, what was the name of the place? Marshall Child's. Uh, oh, uh, it must have been the Funny Farm then. The right? Funny Farm. Yeah, yeah, like that, that dinner theater kind of uh, uh, feel to it, you know, like it. Yeah, but there was, was no dinner theater. No, no, it to just kind of looked like it. It was kinda a weird, chopped up cowboy kind of mm-hmm. restaurant, former cowboy restaurant. Yeah, and attached to a video arcade and a yeah, go yeah. and not a no, not a go kart track, a uh, driving range and a, and a batting cage, moving theater. Yeah, yeah. yeah. quality show business. There really is no business like show <laughs> yeah, business. And, yeah, and uh, it was a pretty sweet deal, as I recall. I think you got like. Five dollars worth of uh, tokens or whatever for the video uh, games. You got a card, remember? They, they give, give you the card and they you give you a card, and then but they would recharge or, it for you too. Yeah, you didn't have to pay. You could take sweet. it back and go, "Hey, look, I killed all the zombies. I can't connect some more <laughs> credits." I'm I mean, yeah, I mean, sure, you're you know 700 miles from your family and you're working for 75 dollars, but you can play Big Buck Hunter. You know, yeah. all night. Yeah. All it's night not long. bad. No, I know. It hurts. There's... I have friends who would kill for that deal, actually. Oh, no, They're I know. Unironically. Believe me, <laughs> me there. Yeah. It, it's easy to forget when you're crying yourself to sleep right. in, a, in a smelly hotel room that you are actually living someone else's dream. Sure. Well, you know what? I've, we, I think it's only because I think comedians only get oh, they only hate it because they have to do it alone. You know, like if you and all your buddies were out doing one-nighters all the time and you each had your own room, you know, you'd be glad to, to play in the video arcade and, and drink draft beer and then go to the motel, the shitty Motel 6 and, oh, you know, you'd do it for next to nothing. But you're always, you're always alone. You're always by yourself. And then that solitude starts to eat at you. Well, people know. listen to this, so I don't like to say that I would do it for next to nothing. But... <laughs> It is. It is. There is a fun aspect to the job, which is what my wife always kind of feels like I'm going on a vacation. But mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I have to explain to her that it's work. But this particular gig that I'm doing this week, where you are now, yes, the hosts, the house, you're like I'm, the house. Host. I'm, the, I'm the host. I'm the house comic. I, I shouldn't say house. I, I host the show every weekend. I it's kind of it. great because it does have the feeling when I'm in the back watching you at the beginning of the show, like it's your show. Like, you're the person who's there all the time, and this is your crowd, and so we're all kind of living in your world. It's, it's, it's a nice feeling. It doesn't, that's not always the case at comedy clubs. Yeah, well, I, thank you. That's very nice of you to say, and that's, that's intentional because, you know, I did do, you know, one-nighters for, you know, I think I started hosting full-time here about four years ago or five years ago. I don't know. I can't remember. But I did 10, 12 years of straight road comedy. And all the shitty gigs and all the good gigs and the faraway gigs and all of that. And uh, when I just wasn't, I was just gone too much, you know. I couldn't take it. Right, you miss and your kids. Miss my kids and I, was, I wasn't I was making any money. I was barely, you know, staying, a, a, you know, uh, ahead of the game at all. So uh, I just got a regular job. And then this, uh, the, uh, the hosting job opened up uh, here in Peoria. And it was great because... Now I can do, you know, 15 minutes every week, you know, 15. I try to do new, you know, you, you can, you got your stage time is right. You know, it's five, six o'clock right now. This yeah. is the earliest I've ever been ready for a show here in Peoria in the last six months. Usually it, the show starts at eight. Usually at seven, I get into my shower. Right. You know, and it's just so awesome. I well, you get to be it. so completely comfortable on stage. And that's what I was, that's kind of what I was talking about because when you're up there, you set this 
mood for the whole show that's kind of like, hey, we're out for a good time, but let's not let's not over let's not go crazy you know like it's not that vibe of sometimes when you show up for the show and people are like are you ready for a good time right. holy crap it's <laughs> gonna be unbelievable i mean when you go yeah. out it's more like hey you ever watch the david letterman show this is like that this right. is like that i'm gonna show you a great show and we're gonna have a good time but there's no need to go crazy Don't, let's not drink so much we throw up <laughs> try not to yell yeah. out some kind of mean thing yeah there's so much uh that's new for me probably within the last couple of years because when I first started out, I just had so much uh, extra energy that I didn't know what to do with that uh-huh. I would do th- I would do stuff like that. I would just go crazy. You know, I would, I, I, I would you know, run around the room or, or whatever. Would have, mm-hmm. you know, but I didn't know why. I had no rhyme or reason to it. But, and then you see that with, uh, with audiences too. And just like you say, you'll have other uh, uh, comedians who amp up the room like that. Like you expect a bunch of motorcycles to come out and there to be like, you know, roller derby and a circus and everything. It's just a a guy with a microphone. You know, we need to calm down a little bit. Well, that's how I feel. It's like I'm going to talk and we're going to have a good time. (laughs) There's going to be a lot of laughing and you're probably going to be excited about what how much fun it was at the end. But, yeah, I'm not going to catch on fire. I heard that uh, I heard that Kevin Hart now, though, has some pyrotechnics in his act because he's Mm -hmm. playing arenas. So he can like tell a joke and then something can explode. <laughs> and it's like okay, that that can happen inside yeah. of a comedy show, but in a little in a little room like the room that we're in, across the street from the dirt track and next to the strip club, is yeah. If we had pyrotechnics at the jukebox comedy club, there would be a great white situation happening. Yes, yeah, something would burn down definitely, and no one would be able to get out of the door because Peoria is a fat city. So as soon as one fatty clogs up the doorway, then we're all done for. So it is t- it is a tight squeeze in there. The way they've got the room set up you know there's two ways in but the one way Uh the one way is through the green room so people don't know about that that's the way that i would go for if i had to get (laughs) out of that room i'll uh i'll uh, hip you to uh uh, a little secret there's actually another uh uh, emergency exit on the side that if the place goes up uh, me and you will go out that door (laughs) it's good good to know we'll take a few select i've been there long enough to have planned many uh exits uh emergency exits where do you think the fire is going to start is it going to be the (laughs) nacho cheese heater or (laughs) the pizza cooker yeah well there are so many code violations at that club it could be anywhere but actually you know what it's actually uh he we may get lucky because uh, the roof leaks so much that the fire may instantly be put out. Now that I think about That's it, the goodness. fire may, yeah, we may burst into flame and then it'll burn through one of the ceiling tiles, unleashing the, you know, hundreds of gallons of water that are trapped right, right safe, above our heads. As a safety precaution, there's about a foot of standing water on the roof at all times. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's a it's a you know the jukebox comedy club used to be a transmission repair shop and they had to uh, they had like a big giant garage door that uh-huh. they had to uh, they had to cover up and uh, you know that's your that's one of your walls now so it used to be uh, in the back and where the club is was the transmission place because didn't the front where you come in that used to be a fifties diner. Uh, no, they turned all of that into that that fifties diner thing. See, <laughs> that that was all part of the original jukebox comedy club. Oh, that was that part was of the concept. Never, the fifties oh, yeah. diner. I thought well, the fifties diner was an inherited see, thing. Well, see, here's what I just found out. Um, because I actually work my my full time job is a construction job. I actually work 
for the old owner of the comedy club, the guy who sold it to Dan Conlon, uh-huh. who called, who who built, or who took it over and turned it into the Jukebox Comedy Club. It wasn't actually, and it's a little embarrassing because so I, I, guy, I, I, he never, I never got this in the all the years that I was there. Uh, when you, you mentioned last night, and anybody who's out there who hasn't been to the Jukebox Comedy Club or had been there in a long time ago, you would this hopefully maybe it doesn't mean anything. Hopefully, I can describe it. But they had like all these neon, this neon blue and neon red uh, uh, lights going around the inside of the whole place. And even, it the did, com- even the comedy club? No, just in the outside area, just mm-hmm. the bar area, the lobby yeah. area. The part that you say was a, like a 50s diner, and that is what it looked like in there. But what it was supposed to be was the inside of a jukebox. That's what the owner explained to me when Dan uh-huh. redid the bar area and painted everything. And he's like, well, no, it's not a jukebox anymore. And I was like, I kind of looked and I kind of thought and then I realized, oh, that whole time, that's what the neon right. was. It was supposed to give you that like Wurlitzer. As if you were inside. As if you were inside, you were inside of a, of an old timey jukebox. That was but you'd the, need a wall with black it did, discs it on the edge and you'd need a floor with a big <laughs> circle, you know. Turntable, yeah, it didn't, it didn't it work. Didn't I never co- got it that. didn't work, but but now I and it, what is, it all makes sense to me. I don't know. I don't it know. Makes sense it. in a weird like somebody finally explained to you some there someone else's acid dream. Right. It doesn't it, make sense in a like oh we should have never. It was not a good idea. Yeah, it doesn't make sense yeah. in like oh that's a good idea sort of way, but it makes sense in a, oh I understand now why there was neon and mm-hmm. what was happening. So yeah. I think one of the great things about this club is that it really is in a world where corporations have kind of taken over everything, including comedy, you know, and I yeah. work at some of the improvs and the funny bones and those are big operations with a lot of clubs and they, they really try and make them all look similar and like big time show business. Right. And a lot of times you don't get paid as much because they're paying for their build out or their giant wait staff or their right. deluxe kitchen furnishings. This is a place that's just one guy's dream. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> when you're there, there's a part of it that, you know, you, you're living inside this guy's dream. And, and some of it, it's not, it's definitely not your dream. And the audience, I think, is <laughs> confused a little bit. But the reason that you're there yeah. is to come and see the show. You know, there's not. Yeah, there's a, it's a definitely uh, unique. And, you know, I love Dan Conlon. He's a great guy and he loves stand up comedy. And uh, you know he's he's kept it going yeah. here when it could have uh, gone away. But it's also interesting because he's so maniacal about his comedy and his comedy club that he doesn't take vacations. So he is ne- he's had that club open for twelve years, and he's never not been there for a weekend. And that's true. So he, so all these, uh, so he doesn't know what he, he's not seeing any of the changes that other clubs are making. It's like, like, he's like a, it's like a Galapagos Island of a comedy club, you know, like, like it's evolving in its own way because we're completely cut off from all the other places that are doing comedy. There are other ways to do some of these things and we don't do them that way because we do it this way. Well, that's one of the things about the club too, is that you are, it's, 
it can make you a little bit depressed because you feel like <laughs> you've been sucked off of the main road and now you're in some kind of, you're, you're in like the appendix of the digestive system of show business <laughs> yeah. and you don't know how the, you can't get out. You know, it's like somebody, yeah. you just got to wait for it to get infected and someone will remove it. Yeah, that, um, that's, uh, that's a super good analogy right there. But on the other hand, um, it's great because it's, it's sort of doing its own thing and exists. Dan told me last night, the owner of the jukebox, and I apologize to all the listeners who don't <laughs> give a shit about a little comedy club in Peoria. But you can kind of imagine whatever the comedy club you live in or whatever the big city you live in. This is just this. It's if, a great place to stop were, and just see. Yeah. If you were in Tampa and you went to the Tampa Improv, you would be thrilled if you had a jukebox comedy club right down the street from there. Because it's just like you say, you'd get to see the a lot of a whole different vibe and a whole different yeah. feel for stand up comedy than than that corporate uh improv or funny bone thing which is fine but it's it's not like what's happening at the jukebox no it's people, the people in there who are <laughs> there to see the show are really happy to see the show yeah you know yeah really well they don't it. yeah he doesn't give away any really any seats so you know yeah. you have to pay to see it so that's one thing that's kind of nice so yeah, it's a uh, it's an interesting little town to uh, have lived in for so long. And you you've been back here for how many years? I've moved here in 1990. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I used to be a radio DJ in this town. I was uh, I just wanted to be Doctor Johnny Fever. You Who know? didn't? Who didn't? Right, man. That or was Venus my whole fly thing. trap. It would have been well, good. Well, I that liked guy. yeah. I liked Johnny. I liked the idea. Uh, I became a communications major in college because I like the idea of uh, being Johnny Fever. I like the idea of being stoned and off work at 10 a.m. You know, like I had the whole rest of the day ahead of me and just yeah. kind of like, hey. So I did that for a while. And then. Were uh, you the morning guy? I made it up to mornings on, uh, and I did two different stations. I worked at all the stations in Peoria, essentially. And I made it up to the morning show on two different stations, and it was a real struggle because I was uh, I was given opportunities at stations that were really small, really up against mm-hmm. it, and they would say things like, "All right, you know, we want you to do one of those wacky morning zoos." And I'm like, "Okay, but it's just me." You know, you're gonna. Yeah, I, I don't need, know. You, I need for there to be a zoo. I need some animals or a cotton candy machine or something. Yeah, it's not a zoo. It's just a kidnapping. If there's just one, you know, it's the saddest. Like at the gas station, it's they go, "Hey, really there's a tiger." There's a tiger over by the dumpster. It, yeah, that's really what a tiger by the dumpster was. The kind of radio show I was doing. Uh, so uh, yeah, I radio got rid of me at the same time that I had started to do stand up down here at the jukebox. So then I decided to just. You know, yeah. go out and do it. Because being off work at 10, what a lot of people I don't think put together, and I never really understood, is you got to get up at 3 you gotta get up early early. in the morning. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, uh, it's brutal, man. And it's not, and radio's dead anyway. This, hell, this was, this was the early 90s. It was still happening. It was. Mm-hmm. You know, while I was doing radio, we had a big meeting one day, and the boss said, well, they just made some changes to FCC, just changed the rules. You you can now own more than one AM and one FM in a town, which that used to be the limit. Oh, you were at the beginning of Clear Channel. Then. Yes. So that's when they said, so everything's going to change, and that's what happened. Clear Channel and Westwood One bought up every station and turned them all into the same thing, and, you know, there's maybe... 
10% of the amount of, uh, of on-air people that there used to be because they're all working on four stations at once. Right. You know. Right. Well, so, and then satellite radio happened, and now podcast. Now this happens. And people this. still haven't figured out this yet. People still haven't figured out, like, forget about this show, my show, <laughs> which people are already listening to. Don't forget about it. Thank you. <laughs> but, you know, there's all of these people who are at the shows where I try and say I have a podcast, and they haven't. They don't even know what it is yet. Wait right. till they find out, oh, some of your favorite people from TV are doing a show every week that you could be listening to in your car instead of that morning jackass right. who doesn't even even live in your town. Right. It's uh it, it's really fascinating to me. It's uh you know, I did uh I did a tour uh, uh last year with I do a lot of stuff with uh Doug Stanhope. Oh, and, do uh, you? I yeah. I just I know Doug a little bit and I really I want to get in touch with him because I love what he's doing with oh, his homemade man. tour. Oh, it's so unbelievable. Oh, I it's gotta, so much fun. I bet it is. I mean, uh, tell, will you tell him that I, yes, I want to get in touch uh, with him? Absolutely. Um, but we, so we were on the road all the time, and we were, you know, a new town every night. And so we were just listening to these podcasts like crazy uh, in the van. And I, had, I was unaware of what podcasting. I had heard yeah. of it. I knew, uh, I knew that to be a comedian, you had to have one. I knew that, those kind of things. But well, I didn't really know what they were or what was happening. And then... And then, so we started listening to them, and they're, it's fascinating. But, and everyone in the van, there's like six or seven of us in the van, and everyone's, you know, we got six hours to drive or whatever, so you can listen to them just back to back. Yeah. But the one thing that honestly annoyed me at first was that since I had this radio background, it used to bug me that I would like, we would listen to a podcast, and the first. 20 minutes of a podcast would be the comedian and three other guys discussing what the podcast was going to be about that day. Like mm-hmm. there, it's just so relaxed. Yeah. Like there's, there's so little structure that I was like, I would just get mad. I'd be like, God damn it. Just decide what you're going to do. Like th- that's why you have a meeting before you do a show. Right. To, but then I, after I got to, as I listened to them, I realized that that's the whole point. Our meeting today was very brief. I have to say, <laughs> Yeah, we were talking about pig shit for um, thirty. And then we seconds. got right into it. Was, it. That's, yeah. Let's do it. But it, but now I get it. Now I understand that that's the whole the whole point is that it's really relaxed. That it's not it's not supposed to sound like a show. It's not. You know what I mean? It's not. No, supposed it's to like be hey, it's showy. like hey, we're your friends. We're right. your friends. I'm your friend. You're back to see me and your friend. You're checking back in. Yeah. We spend this time together, and then please come out and see me or you at the comedy right. club, and uh, we'll hang out some more. It's yeah. like it's it's like a subtle form of brainwashing. I mean, did you find after you listen to people's podcasts for a few times, you're like, oh, I'd like to hang out with that guy. Yeah, I want to go. Well, I can't. I can't wait till he comes to town and does a show again. I want to. Yeah, him. I can see why. Yeah, absolutely. We, you know, we would listen to Bill Burr. He would do that Monday morning podcast and just, you know, I love it doesn't matter what he's talking about. I I start laughing. It doesn't matter. He's great. I'm on his podcast network, whatever that means. (laughs) You know, the all things comedy network. He called me out. He and Al called up and said, do you want to be in it? And I go, sure. Yeah, I'll be in it. I don't know. I still don't know. We didn't haven't got T-shirts or jackets or anything. Should be. I'm not complaining, Bill, but let's. There should be something, you know, like like matching varsity style jackets. If it was tattoos, I go, "Okay, wait a second. (laughs) When he but, shows up with a van with a tattoo guy, yeah. we're getting the tattoo today. We're driving around everybody, but today we're in Santa Monica, <laughs> and today's your day to get the tattoo. Oh, yeah. 
So when you're driving around with Doug in the van listening to the podcast, who are your favorites? Bill Burr? We listened to Bill Burr. We did uh, we did the Rogan. Uh, you know, Joe and, and Doug uh, are pretty good buddies. Yeah, yeah. So we did the Joe Rogan thing. Um, and I love Joe Rogan. But I, he, he would... There were times I listened to the Joe Rogan uh, interviewing uh, Bert Kreischer, uh-huh. and I'll bet you that they started twenty-five different conversations during that three-hour podcast. It's like you know when they'd start talking about something, and then they're they're both just fountains of information. And right. they both just love to talk. So one of them would say something, and then one of them would get side, and somebody else would get sidetracked, and then they'd go off on that. For it's like two butterflies going cross country. <laughs> it's like it's going to take a long time. Yeah, right. Yeah, they'll get there, but uh, take your time. I, I love. I'm a giant fan of Joe's podcast. And, yeah, uh, yeah. It's it's the variety of different things that he can talk about with his different guests. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, he and Bert are fun to listen to. Yeah, so we did the Rogan this. thing. We did uh, some Todd Glass and, and Mark Marin. you know, mm-hmm. is, uh, I think, the undisputed king of mm-hmm. podcasting. He's out, you know, I've always enjoyed him, too, so. Did you, did you listen to Doug's podcast? I've been on Doug's podcast, as a matter of fact. I've listened to a couple of them. So I decided I was going to check it out, mm-hmm. and I go, you know, you can look at all the episodes, and there was an episode called Cliffhanger. Uh-huh. Did you listen to that one? Uh-uh. If anyone is out there and wants to go deep and dark into yeah. Doug's world, listen to Cliffhanger Part 1 and Cliffhanger Part 2. It is the most intense shit that happened to him and his girlfriend. And it was, I thought, well, I like Cliffhangers. I'm going to listen to this. And it was so dark. Dark. I mean, it's like, yeah. it starts off with his this, his friend tenant has got cancer and she's going in for a treatment. Oh, I know the, the story. Yeah, I know the story. Yeah, so I don't want to spoil the story, but wow. Yeah, that guy's uh he's pretty interesting. So, yeah, you know, he's got a podcast. Everyone's got a podcast. Everyone's got a it's podcast. It's great. Well, I think it's great. I mean, look at this is you need there's like what you know, like I said, I did seven, eight years of, of radio. You had to have a whole thing. You know, you had to have a no. whole thing. This is like a, a, a guitar uh it's like you know, fuzz box. Yeah, an yeah. effects pedal and uh, a couple of chords. A couple of chords. It records into here, and then you put it into the other thing, and then you load it onto the internet. And if a, and if a comedian can figure out how to do it, you know what I mean? Pretty much anybody should be able to do it. Right. Right? We're, I mean, we haven't had the first monkey podcast, but it's probably <laughs> coming. <laughs> it's available on some part of the internet that we don't even go to. But there's probably a monkey doing a podcast somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. So what do you have? Uh, what what's uh, what's your what's your life like with the construction? So you moved back to be with uh, your kids. Yeah. So you're with your kids. Yeah. Well, I just basically I've always lived here. I just stopped doing the road. I mm-hmm. just I just you know. So it wasn't a matter of moving to Peoria. It was mm-hmm. a matter of like not leaving. Peoria. Not no longer leaving Peoria, which is kind of the opposite. Um, so yeah. So I just uh, I you know. I had the the thing here at the jukebox was enough for me, but I've I'm coming to the end of that because my youngest what? child is a senior in high school and graduates in a month, and uh, we're shipping her ass off to college, and then uh, you can do whatever uh, you want. We can, I can do whatever I want, man. I can move all the way down to Decatur if I want to, <laughs> or possibly Springfield, maybe Rockford. I mean, 
You're going to keep it in Illinois? Illinois is my oyster. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, actually, this is a, a thing. Um, I don't like to it, – it's, it's so cliche to say that I'm moving to L.A., but I'm moving to L.A., I live in L.A. Well, you do, well, I've heard it's environments. Real. I live in Santa Monica, yeah, which is so, attached. Uh, so, yeah, I'm doing uh, – uh, we're going to – I have another son that's in college. And uh, as long as he doesn't flunk out this year and I get my daughter off to college, then they'll both be in college. And that's – that's that was my thing. You know, like once they – because they already they, they already don't give a shit what I say. You know what I mean? I'm already past the – the uh, direct involvement. When in my do you think that life. is that age ends? Because I was talking to another comic who was a dad, and he gave me his theory. When do you think? <laughs> when do you think you stop downloading software and updating it, and <laughs> you start just watching it run? I uh, well, you know, I th- it, for my kids, I think my son, by the time he was in high school, he he was sure he had it all figured out. You know, he didn't need any help. So that's what, 14, 14, yeah. And probably actually about the same for my daughter. I will never forget. See, my daughter is, uh, she's not super athletic, but she's athletic. She's been, she's always played, you know, sports. Uh And uh, she must have been in eighth grade. And she was, we were at a volleyball tournament and I, and I, I, I'm always, I've I've always had to try really hard to pull back on the being a crazy parent at sporting event thing. Like rooting hard and that kind of crazy. Yeah. I mean, I I would never yell at another kid or anything like that, you know, but But I, parents do that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's bonkers. But I, but I will, uh, but I have yelled at maybe a referee or two. Mm-hmm. And I have I will de- and I'll never yell at my kid during a game, but I will talk to them after the game is over and say, "Hey, you know, like so." We, so anyway, well, what so, do you say? Hey, great well, job, or hey, what, what were you thinking? I, I, hey, great job. I, I yeah. you know, and, and that's the I've had this. I, I shouldn't say fight. My, my ex wife and I have have you know we've had many lengthy discussions about how to handle this stuff. I am very positive. I, I you know, you're going to get 95% positivity with me. Mm-hmm. But but the whole reason is so that I can give you that 5% of here's what you need to work on. And it's constructive. You know, it's constructive. I try to and I'm always calm. I never yell. I don't get red faced. It's not, you know, I, I, I think I'm doing it right, but I, but I'll tell you, uh, it's hard to get people to do what you want by yelling at them. It really is. Dad. It really, really is. It never works. But my daughter was in eighth grade and it was a volleyball tournament and she just was like, the ball would come and she it would like land right next to her. And she was just so not interested in what was happening. Why like, play the game if you're not th- going to play the game? That's ex- exactly was my point in between. It was like a tournament. So it was like in between games. And I kind of pulled her, pulled her aside and I'm like, what, you know, what in the hell's going on with you? Like, you know, you're not even out there trying. Like, at least uh-huh. try. And then she had some excuse. And then I said something else. And it sort of devolved into the kind. Like I said, it wasn't a yelling thing. I'm not a yell a yelling person. But. It just, it got crazy, you know, she had, it was just all bullshit teenage excuses. And then she, the next thing I know, she's in just tears. She's just, all of a sudden, she wells up and now she's crying. And I'm like, what? Now what? You know, like. Because of what you said? I guess, you know, but I'm like, what? Now what's wrong? And that's when uh, uh, my ex-wife, who I get along with very well. Uh, who was standing right there? She just grabs me by the arm and pulls me away, and she's like, "She just got her period." 
And I'm like, oh, oh. oh. So you're asking what's wrong, and she can't, <laughs> has, she can't she say. It's has. like my vagina <laughs> is bleeding. <laughs> Which I would have accepted. I would have been, yeah, no. I would totally but would have been like, dude, you know I what? I can't imagine when my daughter turns to me and says that. And I hope that she will say it just to <laughs> shut me down. Just like, Dad. Well, I'll tell you what. That was a day that I really, I really learned a lot that day about parenting. Because I realized that, you know, your kid's a real person. With real, <laughs> with real problems, you know, it's not just a, it's not just a, uh, a shiny possession of yours that you're, you know, pushing out there to impress your friends. Like, I, you know, what I mean, I, I, I mean that, you know, like some people, I, not that I think that, but you, you know, you want what's best for your kid. Your kid gets on a, on an athletic team or, or, or joins the band or something. You know, you want them to do well, and uh-huh. you, you kind of, no matter what you say, you, you, you puff up a little bit. When they when they're doing it, you know, like hey, that's that's my kid, you know, and right. you and you forget that that kid has its own. That's a real person with its own thing. You're just a player in that kid's life, you know. Right. And, I feel like I, I feel like I'm already hip to that in a way, but I definitely get what you're talking about. I think there's a lot of people out there who think of who think of children as these tiny things that it's just okay to mold and shape or boss around instead of like hey this is a person and maybe they're not as good at being a person as you are right but they're a person and you got to respect the fact that they get to make their choices and they get to decide what they're doing sure well like i think that it was a lesson for me that i realized that you know i spend way too much way too much of my happiness was dependent on what these children did. Oh, really? And you know what I mean? Like, I was just too wrapped up in their lives. Well, like, you know, you forget that because because you want to be a good parent, so you get super involved in your kids' lives, and then you just you're you're too involved. You know, you just got to pull back, let them enjoy their life. They'll be fine. They'll figure it out. They'll bump into a few walls. They'll crash a car. You know, you just gotta. You know, they'll they'll figure it out on their own. We all did. Yeah, yeah, but what you're talking about is sort of what uh, I I really am attracted to people in show business who have made these kind of choices, which you made, which was to like I'm not going to go on the ro- on the road all the time. I'm gonna I want to spend this time with my kids right now, and uh, then I'm gonna I'm gonna. So you you already were making this decision to like make them more important in your life than mm-hmm. your personal dreams for a little right. while. And so then now what you're talking about is you you realizing like wait a minute. Their their dreams are their dreams. Right. You know, and yeah. I and I can't get so involved in their dreams that they become my dreams and then I'm pushing them on them as if they were mine. That's exactly it. That's exact well said because that's exactly it. You 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 think of your kids as as somehow agents of your own happiness like and that's not it at all you well, know and then that you, makes them miserable because you prioritize them and so there's that moment where you switch over and and you you forget that you have to ask them look hey is this really still your dream because <laughs> i've kind of taken it on as my own thing and i feel like you're letting us both down yeah because i'd hate to have to cut you from the squad but you're not pulling your weight right now yeah yeah, we you want to we want to go to the I want to go to the state championships. <laughs> yeah, I you know I'll tell you what though. Once I uh, had that revelation and I kind of pulled back from it all a little bit. That's when it really got good, you know, because 
it's they're you know I have a a, a twenty year old and an eighteen year old. They're mm-hmm. actually interesting people. My son came home from college with this whole like. Yeah, you know, like, have you ever thought about how, like, a galaxy has got, like, a billion stars in it, and there's, like, a billion, and I was just like, oh, yeah, wow, yay, you know, like, you just want that to happen. You want them to blossom right. into, into uh, intelligent, thoughtful adults, and it's happening, you know, it's happening, yeah. and, and the the way to make it happen is by just getting the hell out of the way and letting it happen. And so you and, didn't say, yeah, we, I thought we all thought we about all that. Knew Everybody's that, been 20 jackass. <laughs> yeah. No, I just asked him, uh, uh, where he was getting the mushrooms and if I could, if, <laughs> if, if I could get tap it. into that supply. <laughs> yeah. I'm too old to know anybody anymore, man. Yeah. It's tricky. Well, I, th- I feel like Doug Stanhope might know somebody. Yeah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I don't want to tell any secrets out of school. I guess it's but, pos- uh, that's possible. Yeah, it's possible he might know somebody. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's 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 weird even with a, my daughter who's nine to think about her goals and dreams. And I keep saying to my wife, you know, she like what you were talking about. She's we're trying to help her be a person because my wife sometimes feels like we're too we can't boss her around. And I go, no, we need to. We're helping her be a person. Right. If it was up to her, if we just made her autonomous right now, <laughs> she would just eat cake and ice cream all the time, and she would yeah. blow off school, and yep. you know, it would it would be a little crazy. So we're helping her until she can finally take off and do her be her own person but the idea is eventually she's going to be making all the decisions and so hopefully we're giving her the best That's advice it. about how to when you're making the decision this is why i'm telling you that you have to do this now so that later on when you decide whatever you want to do you can do whatever you want mm-hmm. but this is the reason that that i think i'm helping you now yeah just wait until i honestly just wait until she's old enough that that you feel like you can you can do that where you can just let let her go a little bit because it's great. It's like, oh yeah, I forgot how much fun life was when you didn't have to be uh, uh, on point as a parent twenty four hours a day. You know, like there was that time when your kids are little where you have to always be thinking about. Well, them. you're always be, watching them so that they don't jump they, off yeah, a roof or pound their a head, hammer into yeah. their eye, or you know, they'll do the stupidest yeah. stuff when they're little. You got to watch them all the time. Yeah. But even now, when she's nine, you, you, there's times where we can like. She'll be autonomous. She'll have a friend come over, and they're doing whatever they right. do. Yeah, and you're not great. watching them. It, I mean, w- with my kids, we've gotten to the point where my son came home for spring break a couple weeks ago, and uh, him and some of his buddies went up to Michigan to one of their one of the guys' parents were gone, so they were going to just go up there and party for a week. Or, you know, how, whatever. How old is he? Twenty. That's not old enough to party. Yeah, I know. They, they, they must have. Well, I'm sure it was. I mean, it's you know, all soda pops and. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, there and there was a there's a Bible school there, so I'm sure they went and had yeah. some. You know, did some. Sometimes reading. they do Mad Libs on the Bible. <laughs> yeah, good times. Uh, so he was supposed to come back. Uh, it was like a Monday. He was supposed to be driving back, and my my ex was trying to get a hold of him, and he wasn't responding. You know, he's he's 20, so he doesn't. He he doesn't talk to you on the phone. That's not a thing that he does. Like you can text him, and that's how that's and will how he, he text back. He sometimes will text back, but that's definitely the only way. He's not going to pick up the phone. It's just not going to. So if you call him, you're going to voicemail. You're going to voicemail, and he doesn't even have a voicemail set up. He didn't so he even won't set listen it up. to it. So there's no voicemail. So texting is the only option. So she's texting him, and he's not responding. And then she finally gets a hold of one of his buddies. His buddy says, oh, we're, you know, we're going to be headed back pretty soon. 
you know, she was worried that he was dead, you know, in a ditch right. somewhere, well, like that's all what, moms that's do. You immediately go to right. them. They're probably so, dead. The reason they're not texting me back is because they're dead. <laughs> right. That's that's the number one possibility. Yeah. So, uh, so Denise, my ex, was like, "Well, they're, uh, you know, he won't respond. You know, what what if he's in jail?" And I'm like, "What if he is?" You know, that's what happens to 20-year-old guys. Right. You know, I mean, that's the th- that's how free I am of having to worry about what yeah. to, what he's up to. If he's in jail in Michigan, he's in jail in Michigan. He'll, he'll get a hold out, of He'll figure out he'll how to figure get out. out. Believe he'll me, after a couple of days, he'll remember our phone number or somebody's <laughs> right. phone number. That's what I mean. It'll As long as he's healthy, then that's the only thing. You, you don't need to worry about the rest of it. It'll all work out. It's a pretty, as a parent, would you say it's a pretty safe assumption if your kid's in jail that they're safe? They're safe from a lot of things. I mean, they might not be safe from everything. Yeah. There may be a whole new batch of horrors, but yeah, they're yeah, they're not uh, they're not bleeding out somewhere. You know, they're not. They haven't crashed their car. They're not. You know, you know. Mm-hmm. But it was just funny because you know, my ex, the, their mom is just not ready for any of that. She she wants to just continue to be mom all the time. She loves it, and that's her job. And there's just not that much mom momming to do anymore, you know. So yeah. She's, well, my mom still she doesn't want to be a mom, but she likes it when I check in and she knows yeah. where I am. And yeah, you know, I, I still go home. That. My mom still, you know, wants to make me a grilled cheese sandwich, and you know, yeah. And I'll let her do your laundry. Do you bring a little laundry over? Just <laughs> I to don't. Make her I, happy? I I I'm I, I'm good at laundry, so uh, I do my own. But I will definitely let her cook up a couple of badass Betsy Erickson grilled cheese sandwiches. What What was the first thing? Uh, uh, they're the badass Betsy Erickson grilled cheese. What sandwiches. is a Betsy Ark? Betsy Erickson. Oh, that's oh, my I mom's see her. name. That's her I'm name. sorry. I I'm, I'm. I thought she said you let her cook up a Betsy Ark, and I thought, no, man, I've a, never had one of those. That's a Betsy Erickson grilled cheese sandwich. Yeah, pretty exciting life. I live in Peoria. Well, the thing about being in the Midwest, though, is, and I mean, I know that kids in big cities get into trouble. When I was a kid in the Midwest, in Tennessee, where we lived, it was like we were so autonomous in the amount of stuff that we got into that I'm, as a parent, I, I mean, I survived and it was great fun and I don't think I was a bad kid, uh-huh. but uh, how, that letting your kids get away with, what about sex uh-huh. and drugs and uh, it's crazy now. danger, cars? You know, you know what, uh, when I was a senior in high school in Walnut, Illinois, which is about an hour north of Peoria, it's like a thousand people. There's no stoplights. You know, it's one of those little small Midwestern mm-hmm. towns. And this was 1985, my senior year. For prom, I convinced my parents to let me have the post-prom party with kegs of beer. We had it at my house. My parents were there. My mom called the town cop. And told him we were going to have the party. And we live on the very edge of the town. So it's like a dead-end street at the Uh end of our street. And she said, all the kids are all going to be there. There's going to be drinking. Um, They're all under orders if they're drinking not to drive. If any of them drive, you you know, this is where they'll pull them over immediately if you want to, whatever. The cop in this town in 1985 said, was fine with that. He sat at the end of the street. And nobody, nobody got in any trouble. It was unbelievable. You couldn't even. Th- so you were drinking. Think. 
yeah. were drinking and underage. Underage high schoolers. And being crazy. I mean, you probably would have been doing, well, you're not lighting things on fire because somebody's... Yeah, no, it was a full-on uh, high school party. Yeah, it was a full-on party. And, and my parents knew about it. Other parents knew about it. And... They, everyone was fine with it because it was the idea that if they're, you know, we know where they're at if they're if they're here, you know. Otherwise, we're just all going out into the, some country road in the dark somewhere where no one will know where we are, and we're going to do the same thing. And Much the idea dangerous. was, it's yeah, that would be more dangerous. And this way, we can kind of keep an eye on them. But there is no way you could do that today. Even, there is no even if way. you tried it. Even if you tried it without telling the cop, <laughs> one of the other parents, oh, they would, one of the other parents would narc on you, or you would get sued, or oh, one of the kids would narc on Nancy you. Nancy Grace or, would have your ass. You would be a national story. You know, you'd be the party mom that, you know, was ruining lives, and you know. I don't understand why no one ever says like, "Look, this is a thing that may not be all bad about something like this." <laughs> right. But they, but really, yeah, it's, we're so excited in America to get pissed off at the person who did the bad thing. Yeah. Yeah, and I remember growing up uh, uh, hearing older people talk about how, you know, like, oh, man, it's, you know, the laws are so restrictive now with this drunk driving that they have. You know, it used to be if you were drunk driving, the cop just, you know, took your beer and poured it out and took you home, you know, escorted you home or whatever. Well, now you can't even say, hey, look – just because I blew .08 does not mean that I am impaired. Right. That's like, hey, shut up. You, they caught you, and you're yeah, going you're to caught. jail. You're a naughty bad man. And so, yeah, I'm not. I'm not trying to advocate for drunk driving, but I'm. I am, by the way. Just a little bit of drunk driving. You feel like? Yeah, I think that's okay. But you quit drinking. Did yeah. you quit drinking? I sort of quit drinking. Yeah. Yeah. Just because. Uh, it's so expensive. Alcohol, it turns out, to not be free. It's really expensive if you drink at a place that's not your workplace. <laughs> yeah. But, but after a comedy club show, you you could have... Yeah, a there were drinks. a couple of times uh, here that uh, I made it through a couple of uh, DUI checkpoints here in Peoria after a comedy show. One time the cop recognized me, and I, I was driving fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, there was no... You know, everything was fine. And the second time, I all I thought while it was happening, I thought I was getting going to get a DUI for sure. Well, just because technically nowadays, if you've had two drinks, oh, I was definitely done. over a point oh eight, definitely. Yeah. And you know, so I'm like, and I've never had a DUI. I joke about it on stage. I have a whole thing about. Yeah, I've I've driven. You know, it's a terrible thing to say. I hope my kids don't listen to this. Um, mm-hmm. I bet I've driven – I've drunk th- thousands of times over the limit. Thousands? Okay. Te- Lots. Yeah. Technically, Lots. technically. Let's just keep it at, at technically. You don't need to describe <laughs> how over the limit you were. But, uh, yeah, it's not a good thing. And, well, and then you realize, okay, if someone like you is doing that, imagine how many people out in the world who just don't give Kay. a shit. Right. They don't care. Right. And how many times they are. I Like, I assume if I'm out driving anywhere between midnight – and 5 a.m. that half of the people are hammered. Oh, I think way more than that. What, you know, and that, in fact, that's what, that's what got me out of the second DUI, the second checkpoint was, and I, and there was another time when I'd had a few beers after a show down at uh, Gonzo's club. I was working Mm -hmm. down in Mason city at uh, uh, Dr. Gonzo's club. And that's like a 40-minute drive back up here to Peoria and had a couple of beers with those guys. And I was mm-hmm. driving back, and I got pulled over. 
and at the checkpoint and this and this time uh the cop asked me what i was doing and having a reason to be out like you're know, like well i'm the host at the comedy club and uh you know show just got over and i'm on my way home it's 1 30 yeah. in the morning and as soon as they find out you have an actual reason to be out driving that's valid they're kind of done with you you're free to go you know, it's just the, well, I don't know, you know. If you don't have a reason to be driving at one Right, heading morning, home from a good time with my friends, like, yeah, no, yeah, no, sorry. You're yeah. going to have to blow into the thing. Yeah, so, you know, but but that's, that, the DUI thing is why I just, I can't, I can't get a it. DUI. You don't want it. I mean, I I feel like in the, in the city now, when you get out to Los Angeles, now they've got these Uber cars, which are great, uh-huh. because they're cheaper than taxis, and... You can get a ride somewhere, so you don't. You can actually take it to wherever you're going, and then take it home, oh, and you're out of business. I mean, that's that's one of the great things See, about New York City. You go out in New York City, yeah. You don't. You can have a few drinks. You're taking a cab or the subway right. home, or you're walking. You're never right. You're never putting your life or anybody else's life in danger. Yeah, you can't do that in the Midwest because everything's so goddamn far apart. Oh, try just a cab from the from here to, to at my hotel to the club. I don't know what it's twenty bucks. Twenty bucks, right? You so know, you in Peoria, about, you can't spend twenty dollars to get. You know, for a, it's it's a ten minute ride. You know, it's just it. There's something about the economics that just you know. I there's no way I can do it. Twenty dollars. I feel oh, like twenty dollars might be a good deal. Yeah, right? maybe but that's one of the things. I maybe to a big LA uh, comic like you, twenty bucks is nothing. But no, I'm to not the hardworking. I'm not throwing around twenty dollars. <laughs> I've got the rental car. I got my seventy three dollars that I'm spending on the rental car. So I'm not drinking, so I can be able to get back. You know what? I can't wait for this. Is what I want to. Uh, I, I want to be healthy and live long enough to see the time when we when cars drive themselves because that's not that far away. They already have the ability to sense, you know, when they're going to crash and you know like they, they have these you know they have these safety mm-hmm. features now. It it's not going to be long before you just program in your destination and then and get then, in the back seat and then get in the back sleep. seat. So you and wake just, up in the in your yeah, driveway in the you morning, can, or you can have your you know you can back to having a six pack of uh, of uh, Budweiser with you in the car and head down to the comedy club. Do you Perfect, know how man. many people in America the first year of that are going to wake up somewhere <laughs> out of gas on the road to Vegas? They're like Vegas. Yeah. The car just takes off. That'll be the new like uh, you know like uh, w- when people would would they're uh, they're. Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? They're headed west, and their wagon would break down. You know, they have the yeah. broken wagon wheel. Like, well, I live here now. Yeah. You know, that's what it'll be. Well, my car ran out of gas There'll halfway be to some Vegas. some new kind of Salt Lake City thing that happens somewhere yeah. in the middle of Nebraska. <laughs> yeah. Everybody from Chicago decided yeah. to drive to Vegas. It's, it's going to happen, though, man. I think there's going to be a time when, I mean, when people look back at, at when we actually piloted our automobiles around, it's like weird. And you know what I mean? Like, I that'll do know be what like, you mean. God, can I, you believe people? They used to let people drive these things. Like, it's already what a happening bunch of with maniacs. It's already happening with jets. Half the time, the right. pilot is just in there making sure make that the computer's on top of it. You know? <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, I mean, they say some of them are so complicated when they're coming in for a landing. If there was a problem, the pilot is not. He doesn't have enough brain no, power to either. be able to to take over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's going to happen with cars, man. And then we're going to be able to just uh, be drunk all the time. Unless we gag the planet with fossil fuel first or, or you know, some kind of global financial thing turns us back into cavemen. Yeah, that would be cool too, though. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, well, it, won't be, it won't be good, but it'll be interesting. 
You know what I mean? Yeah, it might be t- too interesting. I don't know if I'm going to, I don't know how long I'm going to survive in the global chaos you don't sword think fighting a, Game of Thrones world. You don't think there's a place for a, a Jake Johansson style of uh, hilarious comedy in the uh, dystopian hellscape? I do think that that is, that could definitely be the case, and I could probably make it as a ridiculous old guy who makes everybody laugh. The problem is the transition from this to being some really brutally muscular pierced savage's <laughs> right. pet you know yeah. that transition from where i am now to there that's the worry well not part. all of us are gonna make it no that's you know what, what i'm saying, saying. and i worry be, a little bit about me there's gonna be some comedian carcasses along the roadway you know i'm carrot top will make it he's strong he's, strong. he's got a lot of objects and you he's know. well positioned too yeah. i mean people are gonna go we well, get me carrot top <laughs> right <laughs> yeah but uh, yeah, I, I, I worry about myself in that in that scenario. But it, it would be great if we get to live in that Jetson future. I do think you know my wife with the environmental to take it back to the pig shit thing that we started and off. And why not? Yeah, why not? Um, I do I do worry a little bit that that before we get to cars that drive them because there's those two things are happening at the same time right. that we're shooting all this carbon into the air and polluting right. the earth and creating these financial landscapes that can't even be understand by by right. human beings you know there's right. things that they're selling on the stock market that people can't understand that computers have to trust each other that they that it's okay to buy them <laughs> you know between all of that stuff that's going on and then meanwhile we're creating these self-driving cars and our attitude is what could possibly go wrong right. it's like hey an infinite number of horrible things but uh, it might be be like like beautiful cosmic irony like george carlin would really appreciate that you know that that just about the time we got to the enlightenment part like right as soon as the right as soon as one guy gets is becomes fully enlightened and sees it and goes oh wait i got it you know every i've i've got it everything's solved don't we just you know uh-huh. right then is when it's you know the volcano's going to explode and it's all or it's, right before it's going to be like that moment <laughs> when you lock your keys in your car that you realize they're in there and yeah. the door isn't all the way shut but you yeah, can't stop but you it you can't stop it there's yeah. just going to like, be that oh, oh. oh man so close <laughs> and then you turn and explain to one person that the whole world is about to come to an end yeah and then it does yeah you'll be right it's an uplifting show. <laughs> huh? I feel pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you feel good? You are happy? I'm happy. Yeah, I'm happy. Like my shirt. I didn't sell any shirts last night. No, well, Peoria people are not happy, Jake. That's the problem. You should have... They seem pretty happy at the end of the show. Well, they're... I mean, yeah, but I don't know if they're... I don't know if... Well, even if they are happy, maybe they're not advertising on the front of their clothing. Right. Type now, what of, do you think... What do you think the crowds are going to be like over the weekend? Do you think we're going to do... Uh, we'll do... Right? Here's what... It, yeah, we'll have a really... We'll probably be sold out at 8 o'clock show on Saturday. Yeah, that's one that's the show that I won't be there for. Why? Where are you? Because be? I will be watching my daughter play goalkeeper uh, against their heated and hated rivals, Peoria Notre Dame. Oh, oh my God, Peoria Notre Peoria Dame. Notre Dame versus Morton. This is a big high school girls varsity soccer match, and it takes place at seven o'clock on Saturday night. April it's going to be. Cold, yeah, 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 at the soccer yeah. place. Yeah, it's going to be cold, but it's a big game, and uh, 
Uh, so I won't be at the 8 o'clock show, but I will be at the uh, 10.30 show. You'll be at the late show, Saturday. I'll be at so the late we'll show, to... which is fun because those are the stragglers, and uh, it's always weird, man. You the know. people who've got to get their weekend in at yeah. the last minute. Yeah. Well, yeah. Sometimes if that early show sells out in time, you get enough people at the late show that uh, that actually got there intentionally <laughs> that they can kind of keep the other people in line. I remember yeah. the last time I was here – we did a late show where it was two, maybe it was the time before that I was here, where it was two bachelorette parties where more than half of the audience yeah. was these two bachelorette parties. And they were so hammered. And the oldest ladies were the most the worst. drunk. Yeah. Yeah, I think that, um, at least as a jukebox, like I say, that our club is so isolated from other clubs and the way it works. So I don't know if this is true, but I've it, we have way less bachelorette parties than we used to, even five yeah. or six years ago. I don't know if you found that to be the case in, in, in other regular clubs. clubs. I think, I think, bachelorette I think it parties seems are... like that thing. I mean, remember there was that club in Dayton? What was the uh, club oh, where they would like sell the bachelorette party idea? And they, you know well, what that I mean? was? She had a Lisa was the woman Lisa. Yeah. Lisa. Yeah, she Sweet had a lady. kind of glass case full of marital yeah, aids and you could stuff that she. You could buy a dildo. You could buy a giant dildo and like a a noisemaker, and then go in and watch Jake Johansson. Yeah. <laughs> Talk yeah. about calm, you know, not being calmed down. Well, like, she had the, these giant drinks there too that were like it was a martini glass, but the top of it was as big <laughs> as a like a pillow or like this ottoman <laughs> thing, like a hassock where you rest your feet. Yeah, and and it would hold a just a bunch of booze, and she would put in there as decorations pool toys, these little yeah, like yeah, sandboxy yeah, yeah. plastic starfish and stuff that were floating around in there. Yeah. And so women would get one or two of those and drink, you know, yeah. five, six people drinking them, and they didn't do the math of, like, that's that's a lot of alcohol that you're each taking in. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, but that's tapered off, I think. And, I, and maybe it's because comedy has gotten a little bit more like oh this is a night of a show it's not a night where you can just party and take over the room it's you right have to, you have to be quiet and watch the show i feel like men bachelor bachelor parties figured that out <laughs> sooner they were like well this is a dumb idea because they won't let us yell right you know yeah 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 it's uh it's something it seems like I, I, I think maybe also it was, you know, like the whole bachelorette party at a comedy show thing was part of the end of the whole boom of comedy where everyone was doing comedy and yeah. everyone was a comedian. So there were a lot of comedians, frankly, you actually didn't really need to listen to. If you wanted to enjoy the show, you listen to them maybe even a little less. You know, you don't uh -huh. want yeah, to hear no, everything. So I think a lot of those people have been weeded out. So now you have comedians that are interesting. You want to actually pay attention. And bachelorettes, so. bachelorette party is uh, not the way yeah, to. Yeah, they don't want to pay attention. No. They don't want to pay attention. And it's no. not fun when you're on stage trying to get them. Can you please just allow. I get it that we want to have fun. And you talk to them and try to engage them and get them quiet enough that you can do some material so that the other people uh -huh. who are there to just see the show can enjoy it. Yeah. Well, that'll be my job. I enjoy the. Uh, I shouldn't say I enjoy it. I do that. I will. Uh, I will lay down on the barbed wire so the other comedians can run across my back and over me and across the front lines, you know, like it's that, that host's job to calm the bachelorette party down right. and talk to the drunk guy and make sure he understands and point out where the bathrooms are. And So the late know, show is going to be kind of like that movie 300. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Except, uh, uh, um, probably 30. Let's call it 30. Yeah, instead of 300. 
Yeah. We're going to face down against insurmountable odds to entertain a group of people who aren't sure they want to have a good time. Yeah, I doubt it will be as homoerotic, but you never know. It's Saturday night. See, the thing about that movie, to me, it didn't seem homoerotic, which means that I'm either a homo... <laughs> Or I'm not in tune with my own sexuality. Yeah, no, I think maybe, I think that probably, it seemed homoerotic to me, so I think that means that I'm definitely more of a of a homosexual because I am looking at, uh, was it Gerard Butler? And I'm like, wow, look at that guy. Well, I, I shouldn't have, be thinking I did have right. a little bit of that reaction. I mean, as a guy, you just have that reaction about a yeah. guy who's in, in that good of shape because most of us have tried at some point to go to yeah. the gym and try and take a step towards looking at like that. Yeah. And then when you finally break down and realize that it's time to give up i'm like yeah, i'm never i'm Not never gonna, gonna look like that yeah i would have to hire three people to feed me chicken breasts and make me work yeah. out for which gerard butler probably does yeah probably has three people that control his every you know they're working out with him and they're cooking for him and now it's time to eat it's like he's someone's pet he <laughs> yes. deliberately turns himself into someone's pet like yeah. i will do what you tell me to do you say jump through the hoop or get on the jump up on this and get down and jump up and get down and lift this now eat this now go to sleep yeah and i will have no master unless it's vodka that's that's the only one even though you've quit drinking. even though I, yeah I've quit or you sort of quit drinking you I haven't sort of quit, quit drinking. drinking you've sort of quit drinking yeah i i've i've stopped drinking in any situation where i might have to drive afterwards so that's uh-huh. you know and that's pretty much all of them so i you know well when you get home do you ever have a sad see i don't drink at home i don't you're about to go to sleep. I, no, yeah no that. i'm not a home drinker yeah you know, once I'm home, I'm good. You know, I don't need it anymore. <laughs> so the only reason you were really drinking is that you were sad people, that you weren't man. at home. Yeah, that's yeah, right. That's it, because there's people out, you know. They stress me out sometimes. Do they? It's weird, isn't it, that the reason that you get into this com- being a comedian or an entertainer is you want people's attention. You Like, you want yeah. them to look at you, and then you want the satisfaction of having them have a good time while they're watching right. you. And then you really don't want to interact with them a whole lot. I, I try and like people as much as I can, mm-hmm. but it is, it's startling how sometimes you can go into it and try and just be innocent and have a little interaction with someone someplace, and they come at you so cranky. Right. It's like, hey, I'm just trying to be yeah. a nice man. Yeah, it almost never works out the way you want it to. Like, Like when you... When you really, when you're, you know, and and I try to not, I try to let go of my ego as much as possible. And I'm always conscious of that. And I'm very sort of Zen Buddhist-y sort of way, you know. I'm, I'm not a Buddhist by any stretch. But, you know, I've, I've tried to be egoless. So I try not to give a shit about, you know, I, I know if I did a good job and that's satisfying right. to me. And, and I'm good with that. But... Just when you get somebody, like somebody will compliment you and you, you'll be like, oh, that's so nice. You know, it's, it's, but then the next thing that happens is, oh, then it's always, now there's a, a, a drunk guy with his drunk breath right in your face and he wants to buy you a shot and he's slapping you on the back and just, it gets weird, like immediately, you know, mm-hmm. like you, you're, you got what you wanted and now you don't want it. I, don't know, I just want to. I just want people to leave me alone, man. You know. Yeah. But then once they leave you alone, you're like, well, why isn't anyone I'm telling me? <laughs> I need people to come over and love me now. Yeah, it's like you, we. I wish that I could write down on a napkin what I want them to say to me as a compliment, 
and then I could slide them the napkin. They could say it to me and then leave. Or maybe you could just write it down and only give it to them if they need it. Like, (laughs) you're not doing this right. Right. Here's a cue card. I want you to go look at what I wrote on here. Yes. Come Come back back and try it again. Come back in five minutes. That sort of is is how I feel kind of sometimes in my day. I go out to connect with people, and then once I've had enough, I go home (laughs) to get ready to be able to go out to connect with people again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I feel like we have to go do the. We yeah, have to go eat and. Let's go do a comedy show. Yeah. Would, let's eat first. Okay. Do you want to eat? Yeah, let's do yeah. that. Awesome. Okay. Do you, would you like a high five? I normally like to eat a high five. All right. That's a good idea. That was one of the best <laughs> high fives in the series. Well, of the show. Uh, I, you know, I don't want to extend uh, uh, the show any longer because we do have to go eat, but I will tell you this this is a fact, and this is why that high five was so good. I am the best clapper. That uh, of anyone I know, I'm super good at clapping. My kids, uh, uh, my my current wife slash girlfriend. I've been with her for 13 years or whatever. Not your ex-wife. No, no. But both of them, my ex-wife and uh, uh, my current wonderful love of my life. uh, Everybody is annoyed slash amazed at how. Well, they think I clap too loudly, and I'm too, you know. But I think I'm just really good at clapping. I love how you've turned their criticism. Yeah, I into think it's a compliment, kind of an endorsement. Of you. Like, it, like when my daughter is playing something athletically, I she knows when I'm clapping for her. Right. She can distinguish my clap from other parents clapping because yeah, yeah. I I get good contact i get good you know it's just it's it's yeah. right there it's right there the whole way okay well then for let's that was a great high five but hand me the microphone okay you want to hear and let's clapping? hear let's clap us out all right i see what uh, you mean that was solid right it's solid and it's got an echo to it we're in a yeah. room where i didn't think you would be able to achieve that kind of effect <laughs> thanks jake <laughs> thank you brett Well, thank you, ladies and ladies and gentlemen, for listening this week. Don't give up. There'll be plenty of time to give up later. And Brett Erickson, I cannot wait to see you in California. I can't wait to see all of you in California. Don't forget, I'm going to be the punchline. When are the dates? I don't know. Go to jakethis.com. You you know how to do that by now. I wish I had some more things I could tell you, but I'm, I'm a very busy person, and I'm also thirsty. So I'm going to go get something to drink. Take care of yourselves. I'll speak to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.